Welcome to The Table, a place where stories are told, life is shared, and our hope is you'll leave full. We encourage you to sit back, pull up a chair, and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to another episode of The Table Podcast. This is your co-host, Drew Phillips, and sitting next to me is my co-host, Chris Albritton. Welcome. And lead pastor at Calvary Church, Daniel Berry. Hello. Well, guys, so glad you're here, excited to... Uh, be together, and today we are going to be discussing uh, Daniel's sabbatical that he just got back from, and some details about that, and just uh, walking with Jesus, and sometimes why pausing and, and taking a break is good. So, yeah, I hope it's uh, something not just for ministers, but hopefully it will really be something of breath of fresh air. So, how we can practice the rhythms of the sabbatical in our day to day life, wherever you are. Yeah. So just to kick things off, tell us when, just tell our listeners, when did you take your sabbatical? What was the timing of it and the length and all of those little details? Right. Um, I took my sabbatical for six weeks, starting the second week of November through December 22nd. It was uh, something that is in our employee handbook that allows, but actually I kind of resisted taking it for a long time because I feel like, well, is it, it just feels like it's hard to take time off in our culture when everything is always so go, go, go. Um, but at the urging of the personnel team, I, I took it and encouraging some mentor, mentors and even from you guys, um, really understanding that um, it was really good. Um, I think that understanding what the purpose of the sabbatical is, mm-hmm. is, is vital because a lot of people don't. Yeah. And how did you get to that point? So I can remember back whenever it seemed like we talked about it for probably a year before you actually right. – hit the ground with sabbatical. How'd you get to that point where you're like, yes, sabbatical? Because you, you did resist it for a while from personnel, from some of the staff and friends who were um, asking you and encouraging you to do that. Right. I think I resisted it mostly because I didn't want the perception of being lazy because that's what everybody's really hard Nobody to wants do. To be nobody wants to be recognized as lazy, I guess you would say. Right. Or, Although nobody, I don't think, did do that. But I think internally we were... Yeah, but internally I, you always sit there and think, what's the worst thing they could think about? Yeah. But I really ultimately came to the place where I realized in this role, I was actually talking about this with you, Drew, earlier today. In this role, um, there's a wide mis- misconception of how busy we are or what we do, and what it's like to carry the weight. And I understand that. Um, so I'm hoping even in some of this conversation that can come out, um, the ideas of what sabbatic helped me accomplish and why it's necessary so often for those, especially in the ministry, to do, um, to allow yourself to separate, to disconnect from the constant um, weight of the ministry, of the mission field. So what, how did you go about preparing yourself for that? Because just to, if you're go, 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 work, 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 and all of a sudden you just, you just slam on the brakes, there's going to be a hard transition there. So how did you prepare yourself to take six weeks to disconnect? I had to intentional, uh, intentionally dive into that. And so I called some mentors and I said, what are some books to read? I talked to some other people who have done it and asked, what, what did you do? I consulted with the personnel team. I consulted with you guys and, and kind of realized what we're doing. And it was perfect because last year we, we introduced the discipleship pathway. And ultimately what the sabbatical is, is, an, is um, <laughs> to use a, a phrase, it's the discipleship pathway on steroids. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. And so you're, you're separating from the day-to-day routine to enhance the relationship with God. And so you're sitting there going, but Daniel, how do you, 
part of the discipleship pathway, those who've been around it, is community. How do you do that? Well, the first two weeks, the way it worked out, I ended up going and meeting, I think, with nine other pastors. And it's very difficult to find people who understand what I do. And, and people are very supportive. But it's always nice to find that person who understands what you do in any profession, right? Yep. Moms love it when other moms, dads love it when other dads, and in professions, it's the same thing. And and so when I got alone with them and I, I heard their struggles, we prayed with each other, we encouraged each other, and and then talked them through some things that I sit there and I go, am I crazy about this? And they're like, yeah, you are crazy. Or no, yeah, that's actually really good. Um, it was a really encouraging time for me. So that was the community part. Yeah. Um, and then I spent two weeks really kind of separating and relaxing and going on a vacation. We went to Disney World, my family loves Disney World. I always get excited about it. A little commercial here. If anybody desires to go to Disney World and is overwhelmed by the planning of it, Daniel would be overjoyed to do that for you. So reach out. You can contact him at dbarry at yourcalvary.church. That is wow, correct. That is and within, within five minutes, I think he can have it all planned it? out. Recognize your strengths and weaknesses, what you can handle and what you can't, the food you like to eat, and he'll schedule it all out. D. Barry. It is abs- I, I think they're somewhat putting tongue-in-cheek, but I do like doing <laughs> well, no, that. No, we're being serious. <laughs> I, really I, really love doing it. I always joke with people, like, if I wasn't a minister, people, that's one of the most common questions we get, right? If you weren't a minister, what would you do? I'd be like, I'd be a travel planner. I, I love <laughs> spending other people's monies for vacations. I mean, it's just really fun for me. <laughs> but I, we had a really good time, and I was, I was telling uh, somebody not too long ago, I said, this is the first probably vacation I've been on in 15 years where from the first day I was relaxed. Hmm. Now, did the vacation go perfectly? No. But usually you're so encompassed with work that it takes you four or five days to kind of relax. But I had the front two two weeks where I was with community. And a lot of that goes to the reality that we are always on call. Um, As a doctor, you can't pick the time to help people. And when there's an emergency, you got to respond. Now, some people have misconceptions, and they think, oh, do you, you guys must work 90 hours a week. I'm not saying that. I don't want to act like I'm the busiest person in the world. I'm not trying to say that I work harder than anybody else. Drew, Chris, y'all the same way, right? But all three of us can testify. You never know when you're going to get that call, and you never know when you need to, to go and do things. And in ministry, it's unlike mowing the grass. You never, you're never done. So what a lot of times what I found is on vacations or in times of relaxing, they weren't really relaxing because I know i got to come right back into it. And so even being very intentional about putting that vacation in the middle, knowing that I have two weeks to kind of ramp myself back up for getting excited about being here and, and really seeing the vision of the church and how can we love these people better? How can we carry the kingdom forward? Um, it was really beneficial. And there's, you know, science that proves the importance of true relaxation, yeah. of shutting your brain off. So it was yeah. great. Good. And I, th- I know there's, you know, there's been research, and as we've done some um, some reading around rest and sabbatical, that sometimes for, for people, whether in ministry or just in a job that requires a lot of you and a lot of ability, sometimes just to sit, and stare out, stare out the window, and just be, and not feel like you have to accomplish anything, not feel like you have to get anything done, but just sit and be with your thoughts. And I think that's one thing as a, as a society where we struggle with more and more because there's always something to 
busy our minds with. Um, and so, you know, Chris, you've talked before about just how good it is for you to go hunting mm-hmm. and just sit yeah. in the tree stand. Right. Whether you shoot anything or not, it's just good for you to be in the tree stand. Um, and for me, sometimes it's just good for me to go for a run. And I know for some people, it's a, that's not sitting on a chair, in a chair or looking out a window, but that for me frees my mind so much. And I think to find those areas for those of us who maybe right now can't take six weeks of a, of a sabbatical to do that, little things that we can do to be intentional with, as you were talking about, to say, no, just, just stop what you're doing and just be. Think about things above, as we've talked about. Um, start paying attention to what's going through your mind. Is just a healthy rhythm that I don't think any of us, most of us don't pay a lot of attention to. And the biblical narrative of that, I mean, from the beginning, the way God set up creation, six days work, one day rest. And, and the reality of what that looks like in our life is a lot of times in our society, I was listening to a sermon not too long ago where in the 1920s was the first time that the American culture had time to be free. And before that, it was literally get up when the sun's up, work till the sun's out. You, you, you worked really hard. Now, there was always that 1%, right? But most people did all of that all the time, and they had to be super intentional about resting or they wore themselves out. And God designed it that way. In the 1920s, what happened was there was a shift, a paradigm shift, where for the first time, people had extra money in their pockets and extra time on their hands. And what ended up happening was the word rest changed its definition. The word rest went from replenish, refresh, renew, to me. I get to do what I want to do. And I think that's when, why I wanted to avoid this for so long, is this idea of how can I, this feels selfish. It's not selfish if the purpose of it is to renew you so that you can be refocused, re-energized to go back into work, which actually is a perfect segue because the last two weeks I spent doing on time um, reading and really doing spiritual solitude disciplines done by myself. And one of the best books I read was a book called Work Matters. I was a college minister for 13 years. I don't remember the author. Drew, I, I've shared... Do you remember that author? I don't know. I don't know if we can Google that up or something while we're what's the, what's the book? Work Matters. Oh, Work Matters. The great Chris Albritton is producing this show. Is going to look that up for us. Um, maybe you can find it. Yeah, we'll share a link in the show notes with it. But Work Matters is a phenomenal read that I wish I, when I was a college minister, I could have given every college student. And it really talks about how... Work in our culture is not designed to be self-fulfilling. Explain that a little bit more. It's designed to play your part of a bigger piece of building up the kingdom. So your role is a puzzle piece in building up of the kingdom of God. And when you view work as self-fulfilling, in other words, I'm doing this for a paycheck, I'm, I'm trying to see what I can get the most out of it for me, then you're buying into what we just talked about, the 1920s model of life is about self-fulfillment. Life is about me. Did you find it? So Tom Nelson wrote a book called Work Matters, and R. Paul Stevens wrote a book called Work Matters. I think it's Tom Nelson. Is it blue cover? It's blue, yeah. Yeah, that's Tom Nelson. This is really good on the fly. I love this. Um, like I said, we'll put the link in there and all that stuff. Thanks for looking that up, Chris. 
But I love that book because to me it was very powerful. And it that one book I read over the sabbatic really made me shift. Like when I was um, at Disney World, did I see those people there who were riding the rides, I mean operating the rides, as there to get a paycheck? Or were they there fulfilling a part of allowing other people to relax? When I go to the gas station and the attendant, do I see someone who is... Um, do I see them with the value that God sees them as, as providing a value resource that we couldn't have gas at that gas station? Or, or do I try to classify myself, am I better than them or worse than them? And so what I loved about this book is it really shifts the mentality of, and I think that's one thing that sabbatical really taught me. Life is not about what you accomplish. We know that as a follower of Jesus. But when you are a minister and you feel like your life is about helping people find Jesus, it's very easy to go, what are the numbers? How am I, am I succeeding or as I'm failing, am I failing? And, and it, you start putting that word I in everything. And, and, and that's a dangerous place to be. And so one of the, the biggest takes I, I've got, I got from the sabbatical was a, a renewal of, Daniel, your calling is not your calling. It's my calling on you. Little difference, but huge difference. And I know you guys have, have sensed that too. You guys want to share anything on your thoughts on, on how God has called you into that? No, well, I was just sitting here thinking and enjoying really that that first statement from the beginning uh, of just how in the 1920s, whenever that shift happened, how how true that is. I mean, I, I can't I keep going back and going. Well, I never even uh, recognized that as the shift right there. But that is our culture's tendency is to whenever we say rest, to go how am I resting and what what's what's in it for me? Basically, you'd say. Um, so I was really just reflecting on that for the moment there. Do you have anything, Drew? Yeah, a couple of thoughts around it, I think. Um, so one, I, I was reading a book um, the other day, and the guy was talking about um, the invention of the light bulb and how before the invention of the light bulb, the average um, person or American slept 11 hours a day. Think about that. The average person slept 11 hours a day, right? Because they worked really hard. Because they worked really hard. <laughs> and it was dark. And there was nothing to do after right. It was dark, right? And so you just, you, you, so we're now, it's like most of us get six to seven, eights ideal, but just the idea of that. And then also this piece, when it comes to, when, when I've talked about Sabbath or sabbatical, which has that same uh, core meaning there, is when you look at the biblical history of it, um, that the Jewish uh, day looked different. The day started... In the evening, it started with rest, and you worked out of your rest. We have flipped that. Man, that's good. And we flipped it, and so now we rest out of our work. That's right. And so it, it's, it's interesting when you look at that to see God designed us to rest, to, to be renewed, and then to work out of that instead of feeling like, okay, I've been burning it at both ends for so long, I just need a little bit to re- rejuvenate. And I think that if we could picture our days, our weeks, what we do like that. I think that kingdom perspective that you're talking about becomes more attainable. And I think one of the things that you said right there is absolutely true. They used to rest 11 hours because they didn't have anything else to do. If you look at our society, our society is constantly plagued with being tired. Mm 
And it's almost like a, we wear it as a badge. What, how are you? I'm tired. I'm busy. That is not biblical. It isn't. And I want to I give everybody the freedom. Moms out there who run and burning candles at both ends, rest. You know, husbands, make rest. It's not how many hours and how much money you could bring in. Um, and, but the investment, the time that you have that is your free time. And, you know, <laughs> I love being a father because your kids are like, I have no free time. I'm like, you don't know what free time yeah, is, yeah. Right? Right, right? And I remember my dad say that to me, and I was like so mad because I had two hours of homework tonight, you know, that kind of stuff. And, but we don't sleep enough. Why don't we sleep enough? Because we want more time that we're in control of. And I think we have to really shift the paradigm of the way we view our time. That's uh, probably the biggest outtake from my sabbatical I took is, Daniel, are you being selfish with your time? And hear me, I am far too selfish far too often. Testify, right, guys? Um, There's times when I know my wife's doing something and I should get up and help her. I just don't want to, and I have to make myself or I don't, but I don't even think we teach ourselves to see it, and I think that is what that book taught me, and that actually is a danger of being a minister, is that we busy ourselves so much that we don't see what we're supposed to do, and if we don't see what we're supposed to do, we can't actually do what God's called us to do. Well, the way that you see what you're supposed to do is to stare out the window and dream about God. And I love that. I think it was Jared Wilson uh, not too long ago tweeted that, um, Pastor, you are paid to stare out the window. And I was like, no, you're not. That's But uh, you guys know what that, that is. It's if you're going, 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 then you're not going to stop and see what is needed to be done. Yeah, that's very good. Hey, we got just a few minutes here left, so... Switching a little bit off of sabbatical, but going along the same lines of sabbatical, is there anything you'd want to share with our listeners about some of our hope for 2020, something that maybe came out of sabbatical that you hoped are to see our church move in the direction, maybe just a broad uh, stroke of it? Yeah, I, this is a very broad stroke, and, and I haven't even fully unpacked it with you guys, because have you ever been that guy who's come back from a trip and they're super excited and they want to show everybody their slides, and everybody's like, dude, I was here, I don't want to see those slides? Yes. So I've tried to, to honor that and not yeah. just like yeah, yeah, shove yeah. it down the staff's face right for the first day I got in. Um, but the, the main thing I've really got is kind of an organization strategy um, to where I think I see a vision where part of us really concentrates on going really deep. Because the gospel is the most attractive when we go deep with the gospel. And that piggybacks off the discipleship pathway. And Drew, that's a big part of what you're doing. But there's this sidecar that goes right along with the, the main car of going deep, which says we aren't going to just care about ourselves. We're going to care about our community. And I call that the going wide. Many, many, many churches want to do this. And there are books written on how to do this. The problem with books written by churches is they don't know your culture. So one of the main things I feel like is I feel like I, I kind of have a, a clue and an insight that I'm going to get together in the next month or so and hash out with some of the staff on, on how this looks for our church to really embrace going deep with the attractive part of the gospel with the husband drawing closer to Christ, the, the seven-year-old drawing closer to Christ, the 90-year-old drawing closer to Christ, but not neglecting our community and going wide because Matthew 28 says, go. And so uh, that's what excites me. Yeah, I certainly love that. I loved uh, our whole conversation today about just 
finding the identity in sabbatical and rest and what that means in our day-to-day life through Christ, through the scriptures as we study that. And so great conversation. I really enjoyed it, Daniel. Thanks, man, for sharing all that. And I appreciate you guys. I, I, I want to give a shout out to you guys. Um, this is one of those ministries they do, and they're not asking me to say this, and I can't even stop it from editing it out, but I, I can try to tell them don't edit it out. Um, I love that these guys and the rest of our staff sees what needs to be done and does it. And we see this as a teamwork and a, and a partnership. And there are people who really love these podcasts. And um, and I'm thankful for the ministry you guys do. Yep. And I want you to know I love you and support you. Appreciate it. And I love all you listeners out there, too. <laughs> yeah, it's been a great conversation. Thank you, guys. Love you, Daniel. Uh, Chris, love you. Thank you for our listeners for tuning in. Um, tune back again for another edition of the Table Podcast. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to The Table, a podcast of Calvary Church in West Lafayette. For more information, check us out at yourcalvary.info.